Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Brothers, One Mike, Season 5, Episode 2. Today we have with us Dr. Michael Butcher and his wife, Amber. Mike, Amber, how are you guys doing today? Hey, we're great. Thank you so doing much. Doing well. Thanks for having Good us. Good to be here. Yeah. And now, now uh, everybody who's listening to this show on a regular basis, Joe, uh, and now viewing it, you can do both, ladies and gentlemen. You can you can listen or you can view. You can do both. I may know Amber from several seasons ago, Amber Landsman Butcher, when she was on, it was audio only, where she gave an in-detailed um, uh, description of how she works with the carnivore eating lifestyle and how it has helped her in so many ways when it comes to uh, body inflammation, energy levels, cognitive function. And uh, that was a very extensive interview. And we talked a lot about your background. As a matter of fact, I think when I introduced you with your background, the background information I gave was about as long as the interview process was. And, and, and understandably so, you have a lot under your belt. I thought, you know, uh, being that you're here for the second time, I, I still think that both you and Dr. Michael should uh, give somewhat of your backgrounds. I know today's show, ladies and gentlemen, is more about, you know, you've seen the title, it's about power couples. It's about how couples uh, work together with such busy lifestyles and, and what, what their game plan is, how they do that. And I think people should kind of know what your background is so they have an understanding of how do they take all that energy from their work lifestyle and then incorporate it into their personal lifestyle, if that makes sense. So ladies first, I would say here. So Amber, by all means, um, maybe give just, you know, a little bit, a bit about yourself so people that are listening and viewing today have a better understanding. Great. Thank you. Thanks for that um, sure. introduction and um, warm welcome. I... Uh, have been working in the health and wellness industry as a profession since 2008, around 2008. And my impetus for changing out of corporate world and working as a lobbyist was um, a cancer diagnosis in my late 20s. And after that happened to me, I just started looking at everything and looking at those smallest aspects of my life to see what was influencing, you know, this dis-ease in my body. And just that's where my change began for myself. Um, I was always interested in sports and always wanted to perform and be an athlete, but I didn't think I could make a living at it until after cancer. And that's when I went back to graduate school. Um, Mike and I met around that same time. I became a a, a strength trainer. We started working together right after that, Tony and I, um, with speed and agility training and athletic training. And I got my master's degree in exercise physiology and wellness from the University of Akron, all inspired again by this um, life-changing event that really just, I, I it was a good thing for me because it stopped me in my tracks and made me look and reevaluate everything about my life and what wellness meant. And, um, and my why for, for pursuing a, a, a good life and a quality life and what that meant. So I went to graduate school and then, um, 
you know, I wasn't really able to find a job as a wellness consultant, which is what I wanted to do was health education and working one-on-one with um, individuals to improve their health and wellness. And so I started my own wellness company and I had a, several clients in the local area and that was stabilizing an income for me. And, and I was felt like I had a good purpose going there, but I still wasn't uh, able to do that a solo. And then um, I found a company that hires me into other corporate wellness environments. And now I do health coaching. I'm also a meditation mindfulness teacher. And then I do actually have a couple clients that I still train in the gym. But uh, those clients have to meet a certain standard for me to want to. Yeah. <laughs> they have to really want to be there um, and have to be as dedicated as I am to them. Where in the past, I would just train anybody. And now I'm like, nope, if you don't want to be here as much as I do, and if you're not as passionate about your well-being as I am, then that right now because I am busy and building my company and and the relationships that really I see in people that want to be, you know, making progress and change toward their better selves. Yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 I smiled when you said about training people individually one-on-one, more of a personal training, private training environment, because everything you said before that, I'm sure a lot of people were saying, how in the world does she find time to then focus one-on-one with somebody, you you know, more people would say, well, maybe she could do like a group training uh, where she works, you know, one day a week doing something every Monday with a group of, you know, five or six people. But you're, you know, I think a lot of trainers out there understand this, but a lot of people don't understand when you're working one-on-one in a private training setting with somebody, it's not just walking in and saying, okay, you, you're going to go from this machine to that machine to that machine, and then you're going to eat this, this, and this, and then I'll see you next week. There's a lot of behind the scenes that goes into that and a lot of extra work that goes into that as well. So quite the extensive resume and anybody who listen and Joe, I think that wouldn't be a problem at all to be able to include that first interview with Amber, where she talks so much about the carnivore eating lifestyle and how it worked for her. Um, I think that could be included in the description of this podcast for anybody who did not listen to that particular uh, episode from several seasons ago. So sitting next to you is Dr. Michael Butcher. Now, Dr. Michael Butcher, I, I tell people this, and I actually said this last week, Joe, when we talked about them coming on the show. I, and this came to the top, it's right to the top of my head. I said, this is a gentleman who, if you were sitting down talking about what type of prizes you can get out of a Cracker Jack box and couple that in with whether or not you should use milk when making Kraft macaroni and cheese. He could turn that into two of the most intellectual conversations you've ever had in your entire life. And I know this because I've watched you do it. Maybe not about those two things, right. but, <laughs> but, but uh, always very interesting to talk to. And I, I, again, as your wife just did, I think maybe if you can give everybody more of a, uh, an understanding of what your background in as, uh, is in as a first-time interviewee here on Two Brothers, One Mike. Sure. Well, thank, like Amber said, thank you for the introduction. Sure. Selling me. Hi, so I'm going to hopefully follow up on that. Okay. My my background is more strictly of an academic one. 
As an undergraduate, I was interested in exercise science and biology, so I co-majored in those two things. Um, I found weightlifting when I was 19, and I had never done any type of team sport before I started weightlifting, and I was always more of an individual sports type of person. So if we reset maybe a few years before that, I was actually very much involved in BMX freestyle. I was the guy doing tricks on bicycles, riding ramps, riding street competitions. I did that for about nine years of my life, um, dabbled in a little bit of tennis, but mainly I was a BMX rider. Did some skateboarding, did some surfing, at the same time played beach volleyball. But I found weightlifting at 19, as I said, and I was the typical nerdy student who between every set, I would study those Bruce Algra muscle charts on the wall, the skeletal charts on the wall. So before I ever took a gross anatomy course, I could tell you 90% of the musculature and probably close to 90% of the skeletal anatomy with all the different bony landmarks. So I, I did that, like I said, as an undergraduate, and I then worked as a personal trainer for a year and a half. I also worked as a physical therapy technician, as they were called then. You could think of it as a, a PT assistant, if you like. I worked in a hospital, acute care uh, mainly, I work with patients that had diabetes or burn victims or people who had some other type of disability where they would come into the clinic a few days a week. Uh, diabetics patients were people who I would have to go retrieve from their hospital rooms, bring them down to our clinic. Usually, they were there for hydrotherapy because of their venous stasis ulcers on their legs. Um, not the most pleasant job to to clean the tanks uh, with all the sloughed off skin afterwards. Yes. Nonetheless, Ouch. that's what a physical therapy technician does. And then I also would work with people who had just had a knee replacement or a hip replacement, mm -hmm. working on getting them out of their hospital bed, uh, going down the hall with them on their walkers or bringing them down to the clinic to undergo some band work. And then I decided that I wanted to go to graduate school. I actually chose that over physical therapy school. I had offers for both on the table. But there was something about research that had avoided, uh, I should say I had evaded as an undergraduate. I wasn't quite sure if working with lab rats and mice were really my bag. Um, but as it turns out, research is way more diverse than doing the typical wet bench work and working with those type of rodent models. So I, I chose to go to graduate school at Wake Forest University. I, I obtained a master's degree in biological sciences. And then from there, I went on to earn my PhD started at Florida State, ended at the University of Calgary. Um, I have a PhD in zoology with a specialization in muscle biomechanics and muscle physiology. And now I am a professor in zoology at Youngstown State University. And um, my main areas of focus are functional morphology or functional anatomy, as well as biomechanics. And, and, and uh, did I cut you off? No. No, okay. Um, Everybody out there right now who's watching the show is saying, what? <laughs> and, 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 and so, folks, keep this in mind. Uh, while they're giving you all this extensive background is not because we're going to get into detail today about muscle physiology and understanding, um, you know, the whole concept of the knee bone is connected to the thigh bone and the thigh bone. And we're not going to do that today. 
Um, but I do want you all to know out there in T-Bomb land that uh, we are going to be inviting these two back extensively, both as a couple and individually over time, to talk about these uh, different aspects. Uh, as you've already had that interview with Amber, um, so you already have homework, ladies and gentlemen, to listen to her talk about the carnivore eating lifestyle. And, and so that you could understand how extensive their background is when we get into what we're going to talk about today. And that's how do they take all of that and then work on a marriage together? Uh, and this is a show I want to tell you guys before we go to a commercial break and hear from our sponsor. This is the first show uh, in our 80 plus episode history now where the interviewee came to us with the idea of how they wanted to present this show. We've always gone to them and said, even when Amber did the Carnivore Eating Lifestyle, I went to her and said, we're going to do a show about it. We would love for you to come on and talk about it. This is the first time that we've had a couple or anybody come to us and say, we would love to do a show about this. And when it was presented to me, I read it over and I thought, this is fantastic. Uh, so, you know, this is a, the beginning of something new. Uh, and you guys are the pioneers of that here on Two Brothers One Mike, for sure. But don't go anywhere, everyone. We are going to be right back. A word from our sponsor. Stay right there. Two Brothers One Mike is sponsored by Kitchen Apps, perfectly prepared portions. Hey, Youngstown area listeners, I know we've talked about Kitchen Apps in the past and all they have to offer in food prepping services and protein pancake mixes, but there's another great product they offer we had to let our listeners know about their own name brand seasonings. They've got a huge selection to choose from as well. Turkey, taco, tomato, basil, Baja, citrus, fajita, barbecue rub, blackened seasoning, as well as steak and meat seasons. And that's just to name a few. You know my favorite part? Besides all of the flavors, of course, it's that they're all low sodium, made with no fillers and MSG free. Know what else is great about them? You can order them right from the Kitchen Abs website. Just go to www.kitchenabs.com, click on store, and choose the flavors of your choice. Again, that's kitchenabs.com. Now, back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody. So, uh, before we stepped away, you guys got the extensive background of what the professional life looks like for Dr. Michael Butcher and his wife, Amber Landsman Butcher. And uh, it was extremely extensive. And the reason why I wanted them to give that background, again, was because I want you guys to understand what they bring to the show in the future and what that means for what they bring to the show today when we talk about power couples and how do people keep the marriage together when they have so many external forces out there that may be pulling them apart. And there's specific things that we want to talk about today. So, Amber, I, I think we'll start with you. Um, when we talk about um, gestures in, 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 a, in a marriage, we talk about smaller gestures that we have towards one another. We talk about larger gestures. Uh, you say smaller gestures in a lot of ways are even more important than the larger gestures. But when we're talking about gestures just in general, what, what are we talking about just for an exam, as an example? Yeah, good question. Well, I think Mike and I both appreciate um radical generosity with each other and and all the small stuff is really what um we find deep appreciation and 
care for each other over versus the bigger gestures that you might see coming up, you know, at a holiday or a birthday. I mean, those things, yes, they're, they're great. But what keeps us um, really in synthesis with each other is our human relations with each other of just treating each other with mutual love and respect and trust um, knowing what we value, you know, knowing that we both have our um, priorities as individuals and as a couple and um, looking out for each other. We just, I mean, it's all the small things. The, For instance, for example, if you'd ask, um, Mike is a fabulous, um, and when it comes to home task, he is fabulous at many things around the house, but he is very good at laundry. And although... Professional launderer. <laughs> he's a professional launderer and a scientist. Mm-hmm. And although most people wouldn't see that, you know, hey, my laundry is folded and placed for me to put away as a big deal. It might be mundane after you're with someone for 15 years like we've been, but I deeply appreciate that. And I know he does it because he loves doing my laundry and all the clothes that I uh, dirty during the day through workouts and just wearing too much as a girl um, and changing my clothes too often. But things like that, like a deep heartfelt sense of appreciation for all of the small things, the stuff that like, just we make sure that we always connect every day. Um, we, you know, it's, 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 we have intimate moments almost every day, which is important. It's not always sexual, no. but there's intimacy there every day. Yeah. We, uh, we that is, that, that I can see where that is important. And I'm sure I, I would like to think that our listeners and viewers knew that you meant uh, how you meant that in terms of intimacy, uh, that it didn't have to always be that. Um, um, It's not sexually specific. I think that's something that's often misunderstood. Right. Yeah. Um, And, and so there's just that a lot of people call it that bonding moment, right? When you, you simply bonding as two people, uh, especially if it's been a stressful day. Um, sometimes I could see where bonding and there's some people that I know there are some couples that what they look at as an intimate situation for them, they do meditation together. They do yoga together. Um, they work out together. We're going to talk about that. Um, and, and, and so I, I look at it that way. Um, Dr. Michael Butcher, uh, when you're folding the laundry, I have to ask you this question because I have OCD. Um, and, and when I'm, when I fold laundry, if it's not folded the way my my 13 year old, when he sees me coming and he's trying to fold laundry, he runs in the other direction because he knows I'm not going to like what he's doing the way. Is there a specific way that you have to fold the laundry in order to remain high up on the list of, um, of, uh, uh, Amber's happiness list, should I say, or is it, does that matter? It, it matters to me, Tony. Okay. It doesn't matter to Amber. Yeah. So I, I do it for my own self-satisfaction. Yeah. Is, I'd actually like to add a bit more perspective since we're using yes. micro gestures as me doing the laundry. Yeah. 
There, there is a background for this. Okay. One, my mother is a bona fide clean freak. Okay. And so growing up, I always had that benefit provided to me. I would dirty up the clothing. They disappeared. They returned back to me cleaned and folded. Amber shared the same thing with me when we first started dating. She said, when I was growing up, I would put my laundry down a chute and then they would return to me clean and folded. And then I learned that Amber is not very good with mechanical features, machinery in general. Okay. So uh, I can recall using her washing machine for the first time when we first were getting to know one another. I would go stay with her on every other weekend. I was okay. She would come to Clemson, South Carolina. So I used a washing machine. And what I realized very quickly was I knew the reason why all of her clothes were coming out faded and pilled. And that's because she had the cold and the hot line switched. So all of her clothing was getting rinsed in scalding hot water. And I vowed then that Amber would never wash my clothing. Are you okay with this story, Amber? This is going to be seen by what we're hoping thousands and thousands of people. Sure. Um, um, beyond that, though, I personally enjoy doing laundry. It's it's to some degree therapeutic for me, and it's kind of an homage to my mother, who's still living, but it's something that I did not do as a child that I probably took for granted. I definitely took for granted. And I didn't really appreciate how much she did for me. And those are those acts of service that I think Amber was alluding to. So doing this not only makes me feel good about myself, um, I also like the preservation of the clothing. I value things because I didn't grow up with money. And we had a very humble, low middle class type of a family. And so I value things that I've worn for 25 years. They still look as good as new. And that's not something that Amber necessarily valued, but I've impressed that upon her that when you have something, even if it's a t-shirt that says bacon, 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 like the one that I'm wearing now, if you really like that garment, look after it and you can keep it looking nice for a long period of time. And I think that's the analogy that we could use on a relationship. If you like something about the relationship, albeit large or small, value it, keep it looking nice as long as you can. And I look at laundry as that type of metaphor. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I do for us. But beyond that, I actually enjoy it. And I think we'll carry that over, that analogy, to almost everything that we do individually and then as a couple is that we believe everything matters. It's because of our passion. Amber and I are two very passionate individuals. And if it's something like laundry, I am quite passionate about it. She does not have the same passion and she would most likely break the washing machine. (laughs) So I would rather not her do that. And that becomes my domain. (laughs) But then with other aspects of a relationship, yeah. Amber puts in an equal level of passion, which keeps our bond just as strong in a different way. Yeah. Um, folks out there listening and, and viewing the show today, you thought I was joking with you uh, in the beginning. And you saw what Dr. Butcher just did with laundry, laundry. and how he turned that into uh, one of life's many different gestures that can actually cause a bonding moment between husband and wife. And all jokes aside, uh, I, what you're saying there, and, and like Amber said, 
you could take that and you could put that with so many other gestures. And I know, Amber, I know what you were saying when you were talking about the larger gestures, because it's almost an expectation. Uh, here comes Christmas. Here comes um, uh, Valentine's Day. Here comes my birthday. I know that something is coming down the pipe when it comes to what, you know, what I could, you know, what I could um with uh, what I could expect, right? So in terms of expectations, as opposed to the smaller gestures. Um, let me ask you this question. And uh, maybe Dr. Butcher, maybe we'll start with you this time. Differences. Differences become such an obstacle in so many different relationships. Not only, not only marriage, you can even talk about a football team. You could yeah. talk about a soccer team. Uh, uh, you, you could talk just about friendships. But in this case, obviously, we're talking about um, a relationship in terms of marriage. Differences can be such a huge obstacle that some people can never overcome. Do you guys use, and I'm sure there's so many, we all have differences. Do you use that as a, as a, as a strengthening barrier um, more than or strengthening bond rather than an obstacle or a barrier in your relationship? Here's what I like to say. I always wanted to be with someone who's more like me than not. Amber and I are not 100% similar, and this is a good thing. I would say we're 75 to 80% similar, but that 25 to 25% difference is important, and it's important for keeping the relationship interesting. Okay. This also relates to something else that I like to say when it comes to being attracted to someone else you are likely not going to be the best looking, the most fit, the strongest, the most intelligent. And you don't have to be. But what you have to be is interesting. Mm -hmm. And differences relate to you being interesting. So I don't really view the differences between Amber and I as an obstacle. I view them as something that keeps the relationship different each day, where I know the person that I'm coming home to, but I don't know the state of mind of the person that I'm coming home to. So just to reheat something that you were just talking about, I think one of the most important micro gestures is listening. Because most of the time, that's what Amber requires of me. You just mentioned an expectation. The expectation isn't for Dr. Mike to fix the situation. The expectation is for me to see her, to allow her to be heard, and that's good enough. I don't have to offer any solution. My rational brain would like to do that, but I've learned that over time. That's not what Amber is looking for. Amber just needs to know that I support her and that I understand her perspective. And that's good enough to keep us moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, so Amber, what he's saying there, and I think Joe and I probably can relate uh, as men, um, we do want to fix a situation. And so sometimes I, I can tell you what may happen is instead of listening, we hear you, but we're already processing in our brains, how can we fix this? But we're not listening to what you're saying. Uh, and Dr. Mike, what you're saying is, just listen to what they're saying and don't worry so much about solving the problem. That's where it all goes south at times. Absolutely correct. I can give you a good example. Amber would like to tell you that she is a biohacker. 
Amber likes to experiment. Okay. okay. Now, now, scientifically, I do not always agree with some of her experiments. But there again, she's not asking me, do you think this is right for me? What is the science? What should I do? She's just saying, I, I heard this or I was exposed to this information. I'm curious. What if I tried this? Do you think it would be beneficial? Uh, do you think it's something worthwhile for me to do because of some goal she has? The old me would have told her, this is the science as I understand it. I think you should not. I think you should. I would have given her more of a directive, but I don't do that anymore. I just allow her to speak. I hear her and then I think, okay, she may very well try this experiment for a week or two. And it may not be something I'm particularly comfortable with, but she will recenter herself and she will still be the same woman that I know, love and trust after the experiment is over. It used to cause me more discomfort, um, anxiety that she was changing and she's going to do something that I disagree with or that I do not think is valid. But that's something you have to learn through the course of a relationship that you have to trust in your partner to be consistent. And I think consistency is really important for Amber and I. She trusts me to be the same Mike day in and day out. And I'm largely that same person. Yes, you have your moments. She has her moments. I share with her things that I'm feeling upset about or that I do not like or something difficult at work that I'm dealing with. She listens to me, but she has never tried to solve that problem for me. But she does like to use her background, which is more of a business background than what I have, or more of a, a personal, like a public relations or some form of a, a human resources type of background that I don't have that same skill set. And she says, here is what I would do, or this is good advice. Maybe you should take this tact. And oftentimes I listen to her and sometimes I actually use the very advice that she gives me when it comes to writing an email because she knows how to personalize it better than I would. Maybe I would come across a bit too harsh or too forward where the wrong intention is being communicated. And she says, I don't think you should word it that way. Try this. But I at one point would have looked at that as you're giving me a directive. You're not letting me do my job. I know how to do my job. She says those things because she genuinely cares that I am perceived correctly, that the intention that I have, which is good, is communicated correctly, which isn't always possible in an email or a text message. So those are the things that I value, again, as a small gesture. She doesn't have to tell me. This, this way sounds better if I'm the reader, but she does because she values my professional position and she wants me to come across the best that I can to be the best possible professor for my students. That seems supportive, but also that's fair. Yeah, so you're, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say the word intention is a really important word for us in our relationship. And it's something I learned a lot as we were getting to know each other, you know, together, living together. We yeah. dated for a year and then we started living together for the last 14. Uh -huh. And um, I had to remind myself that this person loves me. And what is his intention? Even though he may say things, it's that I might not resonate 
well and welcome. Um, it's, it's how he says it, but it's also his intention behind, it's his intention for me to be able to be safer or better or healthier um, or to be more aware of something. And so intention really matters. And that helps um, change my mindset. And I think mindset is the most important thing for our relationship and thoughtful conversation, you know, in valuing each other's differences, that 25 or 30%, you know, really being able to see um, what our roles are and not them be what our parents' roles were, where like it's stereotypical woman does this, man does this, like, and and not being completely equal all the time too, because our relationship is not 50-50. We have to, it, we do not want to have resentments because you were keeping score about something. You know, we both want to be just really generous and um, kind and compassionate and thoughtful and, um, you know, like he said about understanding, I always love that saying, first seek to understand, then to be understood. And that for me takes being quiet and listening right. and putting the phone down, turning the television off and doing that as much as I can, like every day if possible. It, it, it almost, that almost sounds, um, a couple things I want to say that, that almost sounds uh, I know in law school, attorneys are taught that it's not an argument unless you can understand what the other side's argument is. You have to acknowledge that argument and where they stand before you can counterpoint and come up with your own argument. So you're saying understand their situation before you're looking to be understood. Yeah. Uh, there's that. Uh, another thing, you guys both mentioned this about texting and about that that to me is the desensitization of of society um because we take the messenger and the texting and even social media comments and we we don't really know a lot of times where that person is coming from but to keep it with texting between two people since this is what the show is about today it, i always encourage people if it's a relationship that you value please make sure that if it's going to be a text that it also is a phone call or a face-to-face -face meeting at some point so that people can understand each other. And there's always something, and tell me if I'm right or wrong here, it's always different when you are face-to-face -face with somebody having a conversation. It's, it's on, but there's more of a respect, I feel, when you're face-to-face -face rather than uh, if Dr. Mike is texting you, Amber, on the way home, uh, well, at a stoplight, right for all of our people out there not not while he's driving um and um he texts you something and it comes off the wrong way it can lead to so many problems uh when he gets home if you took it the wrong way right so it's almost like uh the texting i think should be to a minimum if it is a serious situation between you and somebody you care about um so there's that and, and this right here and i i think um uh, Amber, we'll go to you here with this question. You were talking about your mindset. Mm -hmm. And I know both Dr. Mike and you have mentioned, you know, like in our toughest moments. Uh, so we talk about the toughest moments in a relationship. And for you guys, it's been 15 total years. How many years in, in marriage now? This is six and a half years in marriage. Oh, see how quickly he answered that? Well, I don't remember. <laughs> oh, and that, that's honesty. 
That's all. I, and you're okay with that. She, I am. It's, okay. it's a little bit more of my quantitative type of thinking. <laughs> I, I, I do know the numbers. Yeah. And so in that six and a half years of marriage, and then you have almost another nine years that you guys have been together. And when you think about your toughest moments, uh, so Amber, in terms of your, your mindset, how do you train your brain, so to speak, to handle those situations? Uh, I know like what Dr. Mike, he was saying how he used to think of things this way, but he had to change how he thought of the, how do you personally make those changes? And I don't want to say accept, but accept the fact that you're going to have tough moments and we can persevere through this. How do you do that? That's a great question. (laughs) Um, I live in the moment as much as I can. Okay. I can see from my past that, look, there's times in my life where I'm riding the wave and Mike and I are at the very top of the wave. Things are great. And then there's times in our lives where we feel like we're being crushed by the massive wave. But knowing that, another wave is coming and then I'm going to be back up. We'll be back together. So we just ride the waves of life together and we don't react immediately. You know, like I'm, I'm highly driven by my emotions and I've had to really practice being more of that person that pauses. Like you don't have to say everything right now. I'm a person that steps away and knows, and he knows that about me as an individual, I'm someone that needs to pause and step away because I didn't do that in my past. I had to learn how to do that and practice it to make it a natural response. Hey, I need to step away before we move on with a more thoughtful conversation um, where we can communicate and hear each other clearly. But um, my mindset is something I... I take care of it. I protect it. I get up. I I have a routine around mindfulness. You know, I get up in the morning. I journal. I reflect on what's going on within me. I um, accept that I, there's a lot of acceptance. Really, that's the only thing. The only thing I own are my actions and everything outside of my control. I have to, in some form, accept it, right? And if I can't control it, I really have to just accept it and focus on what I can. And I mean, that's really, I think acceptance is a big thing. Forgiveness is a big thing of myself because I make mistakes. Sometimes I react and don't, you know, pause and then make a better response. But I know that I'm going in the right direction. My ladder is on the right, um, you know, the right house to climb. You know, I'm not leaning my ladder up against the wrong um, wall anymore, so to to speak. And so I know if I'm always aiming in the direction of being um, a good human, um, taking care of my mind, my body, and my spirit every day, and then that makes me better able to live my purpose and then be a better wife and human to others. And, you know, so it comes down to personal responsibility. I'm responsible first for my own happiness and my own peace. Regardless, there's always going to be chaos. I'm not, my pursuit is not happiness in life. My pursuit is purpose and legacy. Yeah. And, and, and 
everything you said there, and I hope every I hope everybody's really taking this in today, especially people that are in relationships. And not because you guys have to follow everybody out there listening and watching today. Not because you guys have to follow exactly the the blueprint that these guys are giving to you today. But just to look at your own relationships and say, man, what, what he just said or what she just said is is something that resonated with me based on so many different situations that we've gone through in life together as you're talking to each other. And and maybe you can use part of that blueprint to help guide you through. It's always good to hear other couples' perspectives uh, because in so many ways and so, it's, you know, so often it, it may help you with your situation. It's almost like, wow, uh, this was why I was listening to this show today. They're talking to me, you know? Uh, and you talked about, um, you said for a second there about being able to apologize to yourself. And I also feel, me personally, apologizing to others when you know you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I j- just last week, I got in an argument with the gentleman at work. Uh, I didn't understand where he was coming from, and we both flew off the handle. I did first. Immediately when I found out who was the uh, aggressor uh, and was not understanding why he was being so aggressive, I went right up to him. And within a matter of seconds, we shook hands and we pat each other on the back and everything was fine. Uh, rather than carrying that out, I'm sure in a, with the married couple, it's even more important. You live within the same confines, the same four walls. You're making decisions from every aspect of life on a daily basis. I, I think being able to apologize to one another is huge uh, in that aspect. So so there's that for sure. Um uh, Dr. Michael, is there anything you wanted to add to that before we go to a, a commercial here? Sure. I think I'd like to echo some of the things that Amber said. Okay. The first one has to do with this idea of being two independent individuals who have made a choice to cohabitate. With that comes lots of highs and sometimes lows. I can certainly speak for our own life. We've experienced many more highs than we have lows. And when it comes to things that we disagree over, or if it comes to a moment that's a difficult time to get through, it usually revolves around some of the typical things that many couples struggle with. Finances, you know, differences in a, perhaps a career direction or a future direction. And something that's really important for Amber, it's physical movement. And her state of mind, her positive mental attitude hinges on her physical well-being, her physical state. And that's something that maybe I take a little bit more for granted because I don't have the same type of physical limitations that Amber might currently deal with. And I have to be respectful of that. So I, I know when she's having not so good of a day what typically the cause might be. I don't, I don't necessarily assume it's something that I have done. And I think that's important for the other person in the relationship mm-hmm. as well. Do not always assume that the reason why the person that you're with is not in the best mood, it's because of you. Mm-hmm. Because not most personalizing often, right, don't personalize it. The other thing I wanted to echo was the idea of living in the moment. And I know you used a football analogy earlier, next play, next play, short memory, put it behind you. I threw the interception. You cannot be thinking about that on the next drive. And it's the same idea here. 
I know when I make mistakes, I know I don't always come across with the correct words that she's wanting to hear or the way that she's expecting to hear it. I own that, but I don't dwell on that. I move on to the next play as it were. And I use that experience as the best teacher. And as long as you allow yourself the ability to continue to evolve, you know, know who you are, know thyself, but you as a person, you're mutable. You have the ability to change. You have the ability to grow and evolve. And both of us value that in our relationship. She loves to bring up this example. I'll make it really quick. She asked me a couple of years ago at my birthday, she said, Mike, what are your goals for this year? And she was expecting something much more poetic. And I literally said, sustained excellence. <laughs> and she that a bit abrasive like is that bombastic is that is that just your hubris or your ego talking and I was like no I like to think that I have achieved quite a bit in life and I've continued to evolve I want to continue doing that for myself first and foremost and then for our relationship secondarily because if I'm at my best we are going to be closest to our best Mm -hmm. so you so you then that's a fantastic answer now, when he first said that, I, I, you, were you thinking arrogance versus confidence? Were yes. you thinking? Yes. <laughs> yes. I still tease him she as does. like, oh, what are you going to work on this year? Oh, just continuing being excellent. Oh, yes, that's what I'm planning on doing. And she loves to do honesty. That. Honesty is honesty is is the basis of any relationship, I think. Right. So, no, but I, I like I like the follow up, Dr. Mike. I like the follow up. And I think I think, Amber, I think you liked the follow up as well. Uh, and I, that's that is true. If you're not if you're not at your best, you can't make the team the best. And in this situation, the team is one other individual. Um, and so I agree with that. We're, we are uh, getting involved in so many different avenues here on how power couples work together with uh, so many external factors out there, ladies and gentlemen. And there's one more thing I want to talk to about talk to you guys about today, but we got to hear from our sponsor first. Uh, so don't go anywhere, everyone. We'll be right back. Stay right there. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by YSN, your sports network, loyal, local, live. Hey everyone, it's Joe from Two Brothers, One Mike. For all of our sports enthusiasts out there from the Northeast Ohio and Western Pennsylvania area with busy schedules, we know you can't always make it to the big game. Well, we have some great news for you. Now is your chance to listen or watch your favorite high school teams compete on the YSN Network. Covering multiple sports from more than 50 area high schools as well as Youngstown State University Baseball and the Mahoney Valley Scrappers and so much more. What's that? No longer live in the Northeastern Ohio or Western Pennsylvania area? No problem. You can go to YSNlive.com on any browser or download the YSN Live app available on both the App Store and Google Play. So you can listen wherever you'd like to start your sports binge and streaming experiences today. Now back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, today we are here. If uh, I hope you just didn't jump on the show now. If you did, get back to the beginning of the show. Uh, Dr. Michael Butcher and his wife, Amber Landsman Butcher. 
And again, uh, Joe, in the description of the podcast, is going to have the interview we've already done a couple seasons ago with Amber Landsman Butcher when she talked all about the carnivore diet. And I hate that word. I try to say eating lifestyle, um, it, the carnivore eating lifestyle. Uh, Dr. Mike, something you said, I believe, earlier was when, uh, and just in this last segment, when you were talking about the aches and pains and not taking it upon yourself, don't, don't just automatically think she's getting mad at you. Folks, if you listen to the episode that Joe includes in the description where we interviewed Amber about the carnivore eating lifestyle, she talks so much about how that has helped her in her journey with all the different types of aches and pains. And there's a lot more that goes with that um, when it comes to inflammation. And my, my, my ADD kicks in. So when you said that, my head's going in every direction. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was what Amber was talking about. And knowing Amber personally, as we've done so much training together, we've had conversations about that. Um, and so uh, I could completely understand where you have to, uh, Dr. Mike, where you have to not automatically think that everything is coming out, that you did something wrong, but how do you how do you work together to help her through that process without feeling like she's taking everything out on you? And that's not easy, right? That's not an easy, uh, easy avenue at all. Um, when it comes to, um, Amber, we'll start with you, an eating lifestyle and exercise. I always tell people this. Um, it's, it's always good to, in some aspect, I like to see the couples that are able to work out together or kind of follow similar eating regimens for so many different reasons. How much do you guys do together in that? And then how much do you guys do kind of on your own? Yeah. So when we first started dating, we would have workout dates. We were both in our, well, I was in my early thirties. I was 34. He was 34 and you know, we're pushing 50. So, (laughs) so it's changed definitely, but we really worked out together and enjoyed that. That was a lot of our first dates were spent training and Mike was training me actually. That was just as I was, I was, I was getting into post-cancer and into the fitness field and um, we lifted heavy. And as I aged, I um, also, you know, in my previous interview, I was an over-exerciser and had a history of eating disorders And so my mind and my body had a lot more stress on it than Mike did because he always had a healthier relationship with physical activity and food. Um, So as we evolved as a couple, I kept finding that there was different foods that I couldn't tolerate that he could as we were getting older together. You know, Mike could have a big bowl of oatmeal or some flourless bread or whatever it was. We were still kind of oriented toward this um, healthier way, real food way of eating. More of a traditional balance of macronutrients. Yes, exactly. But I was starting to realize that as I got older and things were changing in my body and the wear and tear and my mental health wasn't as good when I kept eating the quantity, I would say, of even um, non-refined carbohydrates, because that was really one of the first things I started to really seriously take out of my diet um, and started to feel better from. So my diet kept changing 
And we both have always prioritized protein, not only because we like to lift heavy things, but because we both really feel the most satiety and the best health um, and brain function. And sleep. And sleep from eating and prioritizing protein. And we know also the physiology because we're both in that field that as you get older, you do lose a lot more muscle mass. And so it's harder to maintain that. And so even if we weren't training really hard, we still would be prioritizing protein till we're about 110 years old. You know, we're not going to stop eating animal-based, which is the most nutrient-dense protein, to keep our muscles around. They're an organ that, you know, use more energy than anything in our body. So, So I would say that now our diets are... Since I am still carnivore, January 8th will be four years. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Thank you. (laughs) And I am still thriving and feel great. Um, Not any of the same health issues to the extreme that I had before. But um, I make a, a protein usually for both of us every day, including Winky, our little dog. He gets a little bit of that homemade protein too. And then, um, I typically am doing one meal a day. My biggest meal is always during when the the sun would be shining the highest in the sky when I use most of that energy. And I do my OMAD one meal. Mm -hmm. And then I have a little bit of unsweetened dark chocolate in the evening. That's sugar-free, 100% pure cacao and soda water, as I call my beer. beer. And um, Mike will have whatever massive amount of protein is left over, usually with some black beans. And um, fresh avocado, fresh avocado. He eats a lot of too. So it's really simple. We don't, I don't love to cook. So it's got to be a less than 30 minute meal. Like that's a max. And for me, it's simple. We use a lot of bone broth, um, seasoning, pink salt, because we don't eat processed foods. So I add salt and, uh, you know, drink a lot of water. The reason I put my hands up, for those of you watching this on video, as I almost knocked my headset off, Joe. Joe, how often are we talking? Everything she's saying right now, how often do we talk about that on this show? Uh, We have quite a bit, especially with intermittent fasting. Yeah, I mean, with with OMAD and with TMAD and with pink Himalayan salt and with chicken bone broth. We did a whole show when we were talking about all that stuff. And and so I, I love that you're talking about this, not only because you're showing how the couple that eats and exercises together, stays together. But it's also it's also confirming everything that we talk about on this show when we do the nutritional side of Two Brothers, One Mike. But um, so, so the eating lifestyle for sure. Now, Dr. Mike, how often do you guys work out together now? Is it, is it every time or is it uh, still like a workout date, so to speak? Or have you kind of gone your own ways in your workouts? We've gone our own ways. Yeah. And, and so I'll, I'm going to reheat a couple of things that Amber mentioned from our past. Okay. When we first met one another, something important she left out was Amber was actually doing figure competitions. Okay. She was training for figure. So a, a number of the practices that her coach was having her do, I disagreed with vehemently. Okay. And I came at it more from the perspective of education not that I was trying to pull rank, you know, I'm this PhD, I'm working on a postdoc, I know lots about muscles, just 
I think some of the things that you might know may not be exactly correct. Let me offer a different perspective. And she didn't take it as me being preachy or too professorial. She genuinely wanted to learn from me. And I have to say, that is one of the things that endeared me to her immediately was that I could help educate her. But for me, it provided a need. She needs me for something. And I like being needed. And I looked at that as a model from my father. My father was the typical breadwinner, and that provided a real resource for the family. My mother needed that because they agreed she wouldn't work. So as far as that traditional element, I like being needed. But then as we grew together with working out, we discovered that we have a real passion for this. Hers was at a performance level. I wasn't competing for anything except trying to set PRs in the gym. But we also realized that we both liked eating together. And this idea of simple food prep, I think it's really important for your listeners. People want to make fitness so complex. You have to know so much science and you have to read labels and it's work. It's laborious. It doesn't have to be that complicated. And our meal prep is quite honestly just focused on the protein. How is it seasoned and how is it going to be cooked? Mm -hmm. With no veg on the side for amber, easy. And the fruit that I'm pairing with my food is typically an avocado. And then I like a bit of a legume, like she said, a black bean, because my diet requires a bit more fiber than what she's comfortable with. It, it just it's, it makes her body too inflamed to have fiber. Mm. So the other benefit is, and this kind of becomes full circle with things that we were talking about at the very beginning, about these big gestures, the macro gestures versus the micro ones, us eating together and sharing such a similar passion for the same types of food and spices, this is the experience that we love to give one another as a gift. So we often don't buy physical gifts for each other on birthdays or anniversaries. We believe in giving experiences. And if Amber and I go to some location and we've already mapped out a few restaurants that we cannot wait to try, we're usually sharing some part of the meal and we're both barbecue fanatics. And I, I would like to think we're connoisseurs. We know quite a bit about American barbecue. We've made it a mission to become educated on American barbecue. Um, just having that meal, the ribs, the brisket, the pulled pork, whatever the meats are that you like, we both are enjoying it just as much, but we're having our own experience, but we're doing it together and we can immediately converse about what is the next meal we're <laughs> going to have before we even finish the meal that we're currently eating. So this idea of being a foodie and sharing that passion, that's something I think that makes us maybe, I dare say the word unique, but it's a novelty in our relationship that I don't think a lot of other couples might enjoy as much, but we did have the same thing when we first started dating when it came to working out. Mm -hmm. And we maintained that for roughly 10 years. And then as her physical ailments became more predominant, she had to change her way of training. Mm -hmm. And that way of training didn't coincide with the way that I was training. So we would go to the gym together, but she would be in one side of the gym doing her workout and I'd be on the other. Now we've just gotten to the point where she goes during her time when she feels the best. And I'm the guy who closes down the gym every night. <laughs> I'm at the last hour, just high intensity, never sit down, just keep banging through sets and reps. And that's what makes me feel good. But yeah. she allows me that freedom to work out how I choose and what I want. And I give her the same respect and freedom. And we're not 
trying to antagonize one another. You know, I could say, come on, I know you can lift heavier weights. And I do say these things, to be honest, because I'm trying to motivate her. She wants her body to change. She wants to feel stronger. But there is a fear factor of, I don't want to get injured. I don't want to have more aches and pains than what I already have, or I don't want more inflammation. I just cannot deal with it. And I need you to understand that and respect that. And I do. I'm just trying to be a motivator, just trying to encourage her because I know what this body is capable of doing. Yeah. And so you're, you're hearing everything she is saying. You're listening. Absolutely. Uh, and just to reiterate a point that you made earlier, uh, when she is uh, explaining to you some of her concerns, listening is all you need to do sometimes. Uh, and if she's accepting uh, and it, this goes both ways, by the way. This could be also in, in the other direction. But if she is if using this example, if she's accepting of your feedback and pushing her, that also is something that um, those are cues, right? I think cues are important in a relationship, which allows you to then know, Dr. Mike, that uh, she's she wants me to push her until I know the cue to stop pushing. Um, and, and I think sometimes in relationships, people don't know what that cue is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that could be a problem. Is well, there I'll, oh, go I'll ahead, just say one more thing about that is that Sorry. when Mike and I also got together, as we were um, learning how to communicate, we actually had put together a structure for what we needed in a relationship. And we actually wrote that down and some of those needs so that we were clear on it. We didn't have to like, we didn't just like fall in love and go, what are we going to do next? You know, we were like, let's fall in love and figure out what we need from each other and see if we're actually going in the right direction. And one of those things that relates to this exercise, even though we do work out completely different, different now, um, one of the things that we expect of each other as partners is to maintain their health, whatever that looks like. Right. Whether I am lifting only with resistance bands now on body weight, or when I was lifting 225 pounds, I am still looking out for myself, for me first and my health, but also so we can be physically stronger, but emotionally stronger and mentally stronger as a couple. And that's, that's, that's why we can respect that regardless of whether we do things together, whether we eat together or not, we know that both of us are doing the best we can to take care of ourselves for ultimately the future of our relationship. In and that's many trust. That, yeah. that comes down to trust. Right. And it right. also comes down to expectation, which is something that we were discussing earlier. Yeah. And th- this is a tacit expectation. I don't have to remind Amber, hey, you're not only doing this for yourself, but you're doing this for us. Because I know how committed I am to my fitness for the strength of this relationship. And that's largely centered around what we like to do mm-hmm. as experiences. We love to travel. We have wanderlust. It's hard to do that when you are immobile. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So nutrient yeah. density, physical fitness, all these things are related to our ability to keep living the type of life that we enjoy. Yeah. Joe, we, we've uh, had shows where we talked about the benefits of exercise. 
add this one to the benefits, right? Where we talk about bone density, bone mass. We talk about strengthening tendons and ligaments. We talk about strengthening our heart, our lungs, increasing lean muscle tissue, and and the list goes on. Add strengthening your relationship uh, to this entire entire uh, cognitive function. A lot of people look at exercising as weight loss. That's all they, well, I have to exercise because I need to lose weight. That's the last thing uh, on the list. I even put, I'll definitely put what they're talking about ahead of, of weight loss. Weight loss is a byproduct to all that uh, that we just mentioned. I so, yeah. It. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, and that being said, and just you guys hang on right there. Um, I want to say this to, to our listeners. This is the kind of show where you know, we, Joe, we do shows about exercise. We do them about nutrition. We do feel good stories. Um, we had our Christmas special last week and, you know, we do off the cuff now. Uh, this is the kind of show where I almost feel, and I, I've said this before with some of our other interviews, you need to get out a notebook, go back. If this, if this is a show where, you know, if you're a couple, Get a notebook out, go back and take down some of the finer points, not because you're going to now mirror everything that they just said, but because they may have said a few things and they've said a lot today. They've said a few things that may resonate with you that can help you out in your relationship. And I I know that's something that they really want. They were excited about being on today to bring that to our listeners and our viewers and to have that platform. And we Thank both of you uh, from the bottom of our hearts for being here today. And we are definitely looking forward to having you back uh, individually to talk about physiology and sloths and all that good stuff. And um, the the male body versus the female body when it comes to exercise and yoga and all that stuff, all that, all that in the one big melting pot. Um, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners or viewers with today before we get into next week's show? Yeah, I think maybe we should leave our um, life motto with everyone. Let's do that. So our life model, motto, excuse me, is to live triple S, which means strong, sexy, smart, strong, and sexy. And that is in all ways. That is not just smart with books, but smart in how we treat each other, wise action, wise speech, wise effort, you know, and strong outside of the gym, obviously resilient as humans. And um, sexy is an attitude, you know, an attitude of being in good spirits and taking care of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. It, It all relates to a disposition, Tony. And If you can maintain this on a daily basis, it keeps the attraction between you and your partner so strong. And I know how it is when you cohabitate with someone for 15 years or even five years. It's easy to think that I'm not as interested in the familiar as I once was. But that's because they, they rely too much on physical expectations or traditional interpretations of what relationships are supposed to be like. But as Amber's described it, this is a creed, it's a motto, it's an attitude. And that's what we try to bring forward to one another each day. And I mean, just speaking from our own experience, it certainly keeps the attraction. And by attraction, I don't just mean physical and sexual, I mean our connection. Yeah. And, and we value the connection over anything else. But it also keeps us um, motivated to continue our healthy habits, 
and behaviors, right. you know, knowing that we're, we're doing this for us, yeah. you know, for our longevity. As well, a I, I get the reinforcement. You get the yes, reinforcement. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and I think, and, and so strong, smart, and sexy, Joe, if, if we were applying that to us as, as a podcast couple, right. We're, we're together in this whole journey, right. I want to be, I'm going to be the strong, sexy one. You be the smart one. How's that sound? Okay. I want to be that. I'll be strong and sexy. You be smart. That, I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take what I can get. I, the, okay. okay. Sure. All right. All right, all right. sure. Uh, but so that model. Because I'm also be- confident. So I'll take that. Oh, yes. Wow. So what am I? Am I the arrogant one now? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. You're the one who had to put yourself out there to be all sexy. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Well, we can all I, be triple S. <laughs> okay. Let's all be triple S. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. But uh, I, go, go ahead. The, the real win-win is that smart is sexy. Ah. Then he, then always, he always yeah, has Then we have this guy. The most interesting man in the world. Yeah, exactly. Remember, Tony, you <laughs> just have to be interesting. And <laughs> That's all. Follows. And Dr. Mike, you are just that interesting and, and smart. I mean, I, we can't ask for any more. You guys have been fantastic today. Um, and we knew that already. Joe and I knew that. Uh, for those who have never heard you guys talk before, uh, now they know that. And just stick around for one second here. Joe, What what is next week's show about? So next week, we're going to do sort of a supplemental episode to one that we've done in the recent past. Well, maybe not even that recent, uh, but it was called Leg Day. Yeah. And we're going to actually be talking about, everybody thinks legs, they think quads. And they forget about the guys around the back. We're going to be talking about calf muscles calf muscles yeah well hamstring well below that yeah the calf muscles yeah so many people i I think the guys are always so worried my calves aren't big enough the ladies are always worried my calves are too big uh and and so with that show we're going to talk about a couple studies that i looked into um relatively larger sample sizes that uh, for men and women we're going to talk about how should you measure your calves what different type of exercises can you do and is it a myth or is it what is what is the myth there? What is this 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 uh, where's the truth that with calves are 100 percent genetic? Can that really be true? My answer is no. I'll tell you why next week. And that's what we got coming at us next week on Two Brothers, One Mike. All right. Until then, I want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a rating or review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or opinions, you can leave us a message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us every Wednesday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for new episodes. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony, Dr. Mike, Amber Butcher, and myself, thanks for listening. All right, everybody out there, again, Dr. Michael Butcher and Amber Landsman Butcher, the power couple, strong, sexy, and smart those are the three things that's the motto pay attention and i think the biggest thing i took from this show joe was when dr mike was talking about apologetic being apologetic so i just want to tell you that 1982 when i told mom and dad that you ate all the clothespin cookies and it was really me i want to let you know i'm not apologizing i just that's one thing i'm not going to apologize about i'm out of here folks we will see you again soon hopefully And Happy New Year to everybody.